Good morning. Well, today we're going to talk about light. It's a nice sunny day outside. I've got one of those fancy Instagram filming lights just next to me. I'm wearing my bright yellow honey colour jumper. And uh, we're talking about light because this is the next of our I am sayings of Jesus. Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. If anybody comes to me, they'll never walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. What is light all about? How do we find the light? And how do we follow the light? That's what we're looking at today. What is light all about? Where do we find it? How do we follow it? Well, light, I reckon, is useful for three things. Maybe more than three things, but three things I could think of. Life, we need light for life. We need the light of the sun that lights up leaves and plants and photosynthesis and it gives us life as we know it on this planet. We need light for truth. That's kind of more in a metaphorical way. I suppose it works at, at nighttime when you're getting up and you're in an Airbnb or in a, in a different caravan, you, you're in a, a place that you don't really know and you stub your toe, you're trying to find the bathroom, you're half asleep and you need to switch the lights on to shed some light on this situation, to literally help you see around yourself. But metaphorically as well, don't just need it for seeing the truth of where the cupboard is, where the door is in the room, but to see the truth on the exam paper. You're just racking your brains. and I wish that I knew, I wish I had some light to shed on this question, on that difficult problem. We want some light to know truth, to know the way we should go. Life, truth, and joy as well. We need light for joy. Um, there's a village in Norway called something like Ryuken with like RJ. I'm not sure how exactly you pronounce that, but they have so much darkness in the wintertime. They did something really clever. Um, they erected a giant set of mirrors right up on the hill above the town that's directed in just the right angle so that when the sun shines in the wintertime and can't make it down into their valley, they're always in the shade in the winter, it bounces off these mirrors and down into the center of the town. So, so the town square, even in the dark, dark winters, gets some kind of sunshine, some kind of light. Because some of us, I know in church, struggle with, have you heard of it? SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. When there's not enough sunshine, it's just miserable and gray all the time. You haven't seen the sun for weeks and you just feel like your spirit is in the shade. Like you feel down in the dumps. You're just not getting enough physical light to bring joy to your heart. It's the same kind of feeling. I mean, some people struggle with it really in a medical way, but it's a similar kind of feeling that we all feel when you take the Christmas decorations down, isn't it? When you've enjoyed those weeks and weeks of light in your Christmas tree above the doorway, maybe you've driven, if you're in Ammonford, to that street, I can't quite remember what it's called, over in Betus, um, where every single house, it must be in the contracts when they buy the house or something, but every single house is lit up with beautiful Christmas lights. And do you remember the feeling, that sinking feeling you get when you have to pack them all away? And winter hasn't finished yet, but it just gets a little bit darker out in the streets, in the corner of your living room when you've taken those lights down and so in your heart as well, right? We need light for joy. We need it for truth to know the way and we need it for life. We literally need the light of the sun to give growth to the plants, to put food in our bellies, to bring light to the eyes and the heart and the map of the world and our inner map of reality. Light is something really important physically and metaphorically. There's all sorts of other ways you could think about it as well, but well, what is light? Light's that, life, truth, joy. But there's an interesting thing that if you have too much light, it can actually be bad for you, right? 
in those villages in Norway or in the south of the North Pole, it can be almost just as difficult when you have too much light in the summer and it never gets dark and you can't sleep and you don't know if it's day or night and it's really hard. To have too much light can kill a plant, too much light in the desert and seems to dry up everything. Too much light without clouds, without shade, without the ozone layer would kill us. You look directly at the sun, it'll burn your retina out, it'll wreck your optic nerve and you won't be able to see anything around you. Truth or your map of the world, when there's too much light, can, um, can really confuse, can stop you from seeing, literally and metaphorically too. Too many cooks, too many ideas, too many books, and you just don't know what to do. You don't know the answer to the question because there's so many options. Too much light can wreck life. Too much light can obscure truth. Too much light can wreck your joy as well. Right, you, you don't really know where to turn, what to do, what to do with your day, how to make those decisions. Too much light can be really difficult. We need mediation, we need sunglasses so it doesn't burn your eyes. You need clouds so you don't get too much sunburn. I'm a big fan of clouds and factor 50 um, sun cream and that kind of thing that mediates the sun. Too much, too have many opinions, too much information and it seems to obscure the truth and you don't know where to go. So we need mediators, we need things that stand in the way that help us to have just the right amount of light, whether that's the ozone layer, whether it's a good, smart teacher. I wonder what it is for you. What is it that keeps light in your life, but not quite too much of it? Well, what is light? Light's something that's essential, but too much of it seems to be too much. And so we kind of live in that mystery, don't we? Trying to work out where the best light is how to get the light of truth into our lives, how to have the right kind of light that brings joy to our hearts, that keeps us from seeing our own faults and failings, that keeps us just where we like it, a little bit in the dark, with a little bit of light. But where is the light? Can you find it for yourself? Well, okay, in the physical world, you find it in the sun, you find it in um, the light other people bring into your other people bring into your own life. You find it in things that you do, in teachers that you follow, in books that you read, in places that you go, they kind of bring light into your life. But did you hear what Jesus said? That quote I read at the beginning, Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life something pretty dangerous that Jesus said. It's something really enormous that Jesus is claiming. Let me read on a little bit. Jesus um, is speaking to big crowds and particularly in this section he's speaking to Pharisees, to people who really knew the Bible inside out, to people who didn't really like Jesus all that much. You can read the next few verses if you want. They go back and forth trying to accuse Jesus um, of, of not really being true, of not being trustworthy. And Jesus says, yes, I am trustworthy. And then John, who's writing the story down in verse 20 of John chapter eight, he says, Jesus spoke all these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, near the treasury. Um, yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus is saying something very dangerous. John is almost expecting people to mob Jesus, to choke him to death, to drag him off for execution straight away. And they'll do that eventually if you know the story. But what is it about what Jesus is saying here that is so risky? What is it that almost makes John say, well, 
They could have, they could have been, we should be expecting them to drag him away and put him to death. Why is it so risky that he's saying that he is the light in that middle bit, that he's sent from the Father, that he speaks about himself, that people should believe in him and look to him and follow him and that they'll never be in darkness. Why is that such a dangerous thing to say? Well, to get that, we need to do a little bit of history. Jesus is teaching at the time of the Feast of Booths. I don't know if you know your Jewish culture or Jewish history, but this is a big festival that they had, that they still celebrate today, where they would go out and sometimes sleep on the roof of the house or they'd make in the garden um, a kind of a ramshackle shelter out of leaves and sticks and uh, those kind of things that you would find and you would sleep out for a while. Why? Well, because they're commemorating the escape from Egypt where they had to go away from their homes, away from slavery, and out into the wilderness and sleep rough in tents for a long time. So they're commemorating freedom. They're commemorating that escape out into the wilderness. So there's a couple of other things they do. They live in um, tents for a while, and then they would do water rites where they're pouring out water to remind them of the time where Moses, the leader of the Exodus, leading them out of Egypt, uh, he um, prays and strikes a rock and water is provided for them. So they pour out water. And that's the third thing that they do. At different points in the feast and the festival, they would go into the temple, into this bit of the temple in the treasury, and they would light giant candles, lamps, candelabras. And apparently the glow from those lights that they would light would spread through the city. Remember, no street lights, um, no kind of light pollution or very little. And so there's huge light in the night, right in the middle of the temple that would light up the sky that would glow throughout the whole of Jerusalem. And that light would commemorate, would remind them of those old, old stories where God in a pillar of cloud would guide them through the desert and shade them from the sun in the day. And then in the evening, that light would begin to glow with light from within, within itself. And then by the nighttime, it would have changed from a pillar of cloud to be a pillar of fire that would go behind them to protect them and to destroy their enemies. You can go read about that. Or would go in front of them and lead them on and show them the way. It's the pillar of fire that's God's presence. When they get to the holy mountain, you can read about that in the story, this pillar of cloud and fire descends on the top of the mountain. It's God's presence. And Moses only, the people have to stay away. Too much light can be a dangerous thing. The people have to stay away, but Moses goes up and meets with God face to face. And then later on, when they built this tabernacle, which is a bit like the kind of first thing before they got to the temple, it's like a tent temple. And then later when they build the temple out of rocks in Solomon's time, this cloud comes over and seems to dwell, like settle on and live in the tabernacle and then the temple. And then I, later on, a really sad story towards the end of the Old Testament, the cloud gets up and leaves and departs from the temple. And one of the prophets says it's Ichabod, this strange name. The glory has departed. So do you see this cloud in the day, this fire by night, lights up the way, protects them from danger. Is God's presence with them or close to them in the tabernacle, in the temple, and then departs. And it's a sad, sad day. And, and it's been centuries by the time of the story that we're reading. It's been centuries since they'd seen that cloud since they'd seen that pillar of fire, it was just in the old stories that you would tell your kids at night, when God would be close to us, protect us, be our light, be our guide, show us the way and the truth, bring us to life, 
to water, to food. Bring us to a new country where we could live, that he would be our joy and be present with us. It's centuries since that's happened, since that's been seen. And then, do you see what Jesus is saying? All of a sudden, in the middle of that festival where they commemorate the time that God was with them and took them out to the wilderness, brought them water, led them by fire. In that same festival where they're lighting up the candelabra, actually on the last day of the festival, it says here, when they extinguish those lights and they have that post-Christmas feeling, when everybody's going back to the darkness and, and really they've only got stories of God's presence with them. Just Granny's great-great-great-Granny's old stories about how God's presence used to dwell in the temple. When they've got that post-Christmas feeling, not just on this day, but for the whole of their lives, they've been missing the light and yearning for the light and wanting for the time when God's presence would be back with them and he'd bring them life. He'd lead them into truth. He'd fill their hearts with joy. They're longing for that. They've got that post-Christmas, post-festival feeling. A man stands up in the middle of the temple, just where they've put those lights out, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Did you see? Can you see why they would want to kill him? He's not just claiming to be a light like many other religious teachers do, right? There's the light. If you follow this, you'll find the light. If you do this, you'll get to the light. If you follow these commands, you'll climb up and finally receive enlightenment. Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying he is the light of the world, not just a light for some people for some time at a particular place, but the light for all of the world, that whoever, whoever you are, whatever corner of the world you come from, whatever generation you are a part of, whatever era you've lived in in history, man, woman, old or young, rich or poor, whoever you are, he's the light to you who will bring life. He's the one who will lead you into all truth. He's the light who will shine joy into your heart, who will break through that endless winter and bring light into your life and joy along with it and truth and real life as you've never known it before. Whoever you are, whatever era, Jesus is the light of the world. Can you see why they should, why John expected them to, to round him up and kill him? Because he's claiming to be the one who led the people of Israel into the wilderness, who fed them with beautiful, tasty manna like we saw last week, who gave them water to drink, who gave them life and a new country to look forward to, who showed them the way, who protected them from their enemies. Jesus is claiming to be the God who rescues us from darkness, the light of the world. Can I show you that right back in the beginning of John's gospel as well? He's echoing back right to the, back to the beginning of Genesis where we hear, let there be light, where God sends his words out into the world and they bring light. His word brings light by the power of his spirit. And so John writes at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him, this word character, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Where do you find light? You find it in God. It's not even just that he gives you light and tells you the truth. Or that he gives you life or that he gives you some joy, but he, he is life. He is truth, he is joy, he is the light. 
he's the one who spoke light into into being in the beginning because he's the one who is light. He's the one who gives us life because he's the one who is life. He's the one who can lead us into all truth. He can show us the way. He can light up the darkness around us because he is the truth. He's the one who can bring lasting joy, whatever the circumstances, because he is the light of life, because he is joy. Not just the one who gives it, but he is it. Do you see that? Jesus is life. You can find it in him. But just like light in this world, the light of the sun, is dangerous, so his light can be dangerous for us. Partly because we don't know it, we don't recognise it. Um, Jesus says in John 3, just after the bit, the famous bit, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He says, but this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. They love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. See, there's something about us that yearns for the light, that wants life and truth and joy, but is also a little bit scared of it. Also actually wants to hide away, finds it too dangerous, too bright, too much for us. Jesus says that, John says that. Light has come into the world and darkness tries to squash it. Darkness tries to quench it, but it, it will never be enough. The light's going to win out in the end. Darkness has not overcome it. But I wonder if you feel a little bit of that in your own heart, a little bit intimidated. On the one hand, you want that light. You want to know life. You want to know truth and and the way to go. You want to know joy that would be indestructible. But at the same time, you're kind of scared of it. You don't really want to come out and admit who you really are. So to be honest, there's things in your life that you hide. You, you sort of know the way that you should go, but you're a little bit scared to go there because you know it might hurt, because you know it might sting, because you'd have to make a lot of changes to your life. You sort of want joy. You want it deep in your bones, and yet it's pretty scary to be that vulnerable, to open yourself up and ask him to give you that joy. You sort of want to hold on to a little bit of control. Well, that's been our story from the beginning. If you know the story of Adam and Eve, they turn away from God, from the light and life and joy in him. They take that fruit. And what does it do in them? It makes them want to hide. It makes them want to get away into the darkness so that when God comes looking for them, he says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Light himself comes into the world and they want darkness. They want to hide away. They want to make themselves cover up. They want to blame each other and put it all on others. And they, they rob themselves of joy. They turn away from the light. They miss out on truth and try and hide it from each other and even hide it from God. It's what we've been like from the beginning. It seems to be kind of written down deep in our hearts. Light is good. It brings life, truth, joy. But it's also pretty dangerous for us, partly because we don't know about it. There's so much, so many people claiming to be light. We just get ignorant and we don't really know where we should look for it. But there's a deeper problem, isn't there? There's that darkness problem that's inside us. We don't just stumble around in darkness, not knowing the way. But we kind of like the darkness deep inside us and hide away from God. So we need a mediator. We need somebody who's going to come and and bring God's light to us, but in a way that it won't destroy us. Moses, back on those old stories, asks to see God's glory. And God says, you won't be able to handle it hides him away in a, like in a cave. 
and lets him see his back in a way. You can go and read that story. He goes past the cave and allows Moses to see his back and that's almost too much for him. We can't see God in his full glory without it destroying us. Like you can't look at the sun without it destroying your eyes. Like you can't know full truth without it almost confusing us. Like joy almost seems too much for us sometimes. If you were to see God in his full light, it would destroy you. So he needs to come into this world, this world of people, people like you and me, people who are prone to darkness and kind of like the darkness. He needs to come close to us in a filtered way. There needs to be a mediator who can bring God's light to us and bring us into the light in a way that won't kill us. Can you see that? Do you see who that is? Do you see that it's Jesus? That he's the one who says, I am the light, but who stepped into our world in a way that we can understand. Stepped in to give us life, life that we can that we can have for ourselves without it being too much for us. Life and truth that we can see that can make sense to us because he speaks in our language. Joy that we can have because we see it in his face. I wonder if you've come to know him. I wonder if you've come to follow him. I wonder if you've taken that step out of the darkness and into the light to know Jesus. You see, he is the light, the light of God, light himself who stepped in who stepped in so that we can know his light. He's the one who brings that light to us to make it life, to make it truth, to make it joy for our hearts. I wonder if you've followed the light. Well, how do you do that? Here's point number three. How do we follow the light? Well, you need to come and follow Jesus, right? Jesus says, whoever follows me, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. So if you want to know light, you need to come to Jesus. If you want that life, you need to find it in him. If you want to know truth, you need to find it in him. You need to follow him. If you want to know joy, it needs to be in him. Not just in the things that he's made, not just in the, the stuff that he teaches, you know, his morals or, um, or his stories, not just in the things that he gives you day by day. You need to find it in him. You need to come and follow Jesus. But I wonder if there's something holding you back. I wonder if the light does still feel a bit too dangerous. What will it be like if I step out and admit what I'm really like, if I'm honest with him? Can I really trust him? Will it not burn me up? Will it not be something that's just too painful to handle to step out into the light, to confess what I'm really like? Well, what you need to do is this afternoon, flick back in John chapter eight, just back to chapter eight, verse one, and read the story of how Jesus deals with somebody who's been exposed. If you feel like, the anger that's inside you, the, the pride that's inside you, the cowardice or the lust or the greed that's inside you is just too dark for Jesus. That it'll, it'll be too much to have that out into the light. You go and read the beginning of chapter eight. Story of a woman who's dragged out into the light by men who've got it in for her, men who are not honest, but they, they want Jesus to condemn this woman. It's a kind of a test, it's a cruel test of what he's really like. And Jesus shows what it's like. If you bring yourself, if you admit what you're really like, bring it out into his light, he shows what he'll really do with you. With this woman, he does something amazing. He doesn't condemn her, but he does change her forever. All these people around wanting Jesus to give the thumbs up to her execution, to stone her to death for being too dark, for being too sinful, and Jesus won't do it. Jesus won't let them do it. 
And Jesus raises her up, lifts her up, and says, no condemnation. Do they not condemn you? Well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus does something amazing. He changes her heart so that she doesn't want to do darkness anymore. But he doesn't condemn her, and it's the same with you. If you bring those things out into the light, he's faithful, he's just, he won't turn you away, he won't push you away. There's no darkness in you that is, is too dark for Jesus. He knows all about you. He knows exactly what you've done. He knows everything, everything that you don't want anybody else to know. And it's not too dark for him. Bring it out into the light. Come and confess it to him. Come and be honest with him. Be honest with the people around you. Be honest with the people that you sinned against. And Jesus will come and cleanse you and give you real life. He'll come and cover that shame and bring you out into the, into the light. But it won't burn you away. It'll be life. It'll be joy to walk in the truth, to walk with him. Don't be afraid. He's not going to burn you up. He's not going to turn you away. He's going to give you life and joy like you've never known it before. Maybe you can't see that light. Maybe you just don't quite get and understand how Jesus could be light. Maybe your problem is kind of a, a spiritual blindness. You just don't get it yet. Well, what can you do? You can look forward, right? If you're scared, look back to the beginning of chapter 8. If you just don't see it, look forward. Beginning of chapter 9 is a story all about Jesus healing a blind man. Why would John put that story just after this? Well, it's because he's showing you who's got to open your eyes. If you can't see, you can't make yourself see. If you don't understand it, if you've got lots of doubts, if you've got lots of questions, you've got to come to Jesus and ask him to open your eyes. What does he do? Weird story. He spits in the ground, picks up the muddy dust, rubs it on this guy's eyes, and he can see. What's that? Well, it's Jesus. Stuff from his mouth, right? Like his words. Mixed with the dust of the ground that we're made from brings light. Jesus, the word of God, God's revelation, his truth, comes out from behind the curtain of heaven into human history and mingles with our dust. Takes on a dusty body like you and me have and he helps us to see. Opens our eyes. That's what Jesus literally did in history for this blind man. It's what he can literally do in history for you and I, spiritually blind people. So let's go to him and say, Jesus, if you're really there, and I'm not really sure, I've got lots of doubts and questions. This might be your prayer today. Jesus, if you're really there, would you open my eyes so that I can see? And you know what? He'll answer that prayer. He'll rub, he'll rub your eyes and help you to see him as the one who brings life, as the one who is life, the one who is truth, the one who is joy, that can come into the deepest part of your hearts and blow away the darkness. You've got to find the light. You've got to have the light find you. And then you've got to come and follow the light and walk with him. That means, well, you can think through that metaphor for yourself, right? It means being honest. It means letting the light flow into your heart and and exposing all that darkness and, and not being afraid of it because Jesus will welcome you and so will his church. So will his church, or at least we should. Be courageous. Sometimes the light that flows out from us will shine into dark corners of other people's life, of other corners of our society, and so we've got to be courageous and keep on shining that light. Paul says in Philippians, don't grumble. And if you don't grumble, then you'll shine like stars in the darkness. There's lots of ways we can shine in this world for God, and one of them is by not complaining. Others are by sharing Jesus and the light of others, by being generous, by being open and honest with others and letting them be open and honest with you. There's so many ways we can bring light to those around us. By giving to others as Christ has given to us, by bringing joy to others as he's given joy to us, by bringing wisdom and truth and help to others who are stumbling around by bringing life to those 
who are struggling to know life. I wonder how you'll shine that light today. I wonder if you're a part of Ammonford Evangelical Church, I wonder what you can get involved to do. I wonder if you can bring light to the little kids in the Sunday school, in youth club on Friday nights. I wonder if you can bring light by praying for people. I wonder if you can bring light to your colleagues by sharing with them just a little kindness this week, sharing some words about Jesus. I wonder if you know that light, if you found him, if he's found you, if he's shone into every corner of your heart and now is shining from you out to the world. What is light all about? Life, truth, joy. That's who Jesus is. He is the light. He is life. He is truth. He is joy. I wonder if you found him. I wonder if you're following the light. I wonder if you know life. I wonder if you're walking with him into truth. I wonder if you know that joy deep down, indestructible. Let's pray that we would. Lord, we thank you that you are a light, that there's nothing darkness or shady about you. Lord, we're sorry for how we often doubt that, for how we often crouch and hide away from you, thinking that what you're going to give to us or do to us won't be good. Lord, we're sorry for how we don't trust and believe that you are light. Help us to see that this week, Lord. Help us to know your life flowing into us. Help us to know your truth guiding us and making us wise. Help us to know joy that goes beyond anything this world can give us. Lord, and as we find it, as you find us, we ask that you'd help us to shine it out to others as we follow you. Amen.